and welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. You know we usually have some of the dopest guests on our show, and today is, uh, you know, right along with that theme. I got my brother Edwin Hodge on the show. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling well, brother. How you doing? Doing good, man. What part of the world are you in today? Uh, right now, I'm in uh, Toronto, Canada. We're up here shooting our, uh, our first season of Good Sam right now. Man, look at that in Toronto, Canada. You know, I, I had a... a I always have a lot of trouble getting in and out of Toronto. I just had some mishaps as, as, as a youth. And gotcha. uh, yeah. they don't play at that Border Patrol. <laughs> yeah. Border right Patrol. I almost had to call Drake to let I almost had to call Drake to get me in, this, <laughs> in, the, in the country. So <laughs> look, we, we start we start each of our episodes by having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. And you've kept busy on television and movies pretty much consistently since 1995 when I was all of 11 years old. Yeah. When did you first realize that acting would be your calling and what keeps you in the game? Uh, you know, I, I got started at the age of three. I was, I was watching the Cosby show on, um, uh, shoot, I don't even know what network it was at the time now, but I was watching the Cosby show and I, and I saw a bunch of kids and, and I told my mom, you know, I just, I wanted to be inside the box. You know, I wanted to play with these kids inside the box. So at three is when um, I, I guess I could say I, I found my, my uh, passion for wanting, wanting to jump in, or at least the idea of wanting to jump into this. Um, it wasn't until I was five years old, um, maybe six, uh, I did a Quaker Oatmeal's commercial. And, um, you know, that, that commercial really did a lot for me because it was one of my first national commercials ever. And, um, yep. you know, at, at a five, six-year-old age and people are coming up to you saying, thanks, mom, because that was my line in it. Um, you know, it gave me a sense of pride, <laughs> you know, it gave me a sense of pride at that, that age. And, um, you know, I think that's what solidified me wanting to, um, you know, choose this career. You know, I, I think I've always been, um, a creative person and, and um, you know, very intrigued by uh, the psychology of, of, you know, people and the way the world works. And uh, I think a lot of that um, aids in, in being a performer and, and helping me to understand, you know, the ins and outs of emotions and, and you know, how to convey uh, certain feelings to an audience. Um, but it, it was always a, it was always fun for me, you, you know. It was always something that my mom treated as a a, a treat, you, you know. Um, education was was primary, you know. So unless we were, weren't, you know, getting our education, we weren't bringing A's and B's home. We weren't acting, you know. Um, acting was definitely a privilege. Uh, so you know, for me, um, we grew up with a very um, you know, acute understanding of, you know, who we were as black men in, in this world and um, essentially where we could be, um, you know, if we, we kept our, our heads down and, and you know, followed the, the path in which we believe was best for us. So what, what usually goes in your decision to take a role and have there ever been any roles you didn't take but wish that you did? Um, you, you know, as far as the thought process and good into going into a specific role, um, you know, I, I never wanted to do anything that uh, was stereotypical by nature. Um, you, you know, as far as presenting the black image, black male image uh, to the world, you know, I, I just I strayed away from the roles that would depict me as, you know, uh, an abusive person or a drug addict or, you know, um, 
you know, something within in, in that realm that just places, you know, black men in this this negative light, you know, staying in prison, that the whole baby daddies thing, like, you know, I always believed, my brother always believed um, that we were more. My mom told us that we were more. And so that's what we wanted to present to the world, that we are more. Um, so how do you feel about that responsibility, though? I mean, it seems like you you carry it. And I, I've, I've now thinking back along your career, what you're saying is, is fact and truth. But do you think that should be a responsibility that more Black actors carry? And I actually have spoken to a lot of Black actors from across the pond who don't share that same sentiment with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's something for every Black person to, to carry in general, man or woman, you, you know, it is a, it is a choice. Um, the thing about our culture is we, we have so many um, various different lifestyles and, and stories uh, to be told, you know, just because, you know, we tell a story about, you know, Compton, California, and it's rough, it doesn't mean that we can't highlight family doesn't mean that we can't highlight love. It doesn't mean that we can't highlight, you, you, you know, the things that that other people kind of get away with and, and nobody thinks about, you, you know? Um, it was just a choice for me, you know? Um, I, I'm very articulate, you, you know, in, in many ways. And, and, you know, I was an English psych major growing up, you know, for me to go in and try to audition for a quote unquote hood role, it just wasn't working for me. I mean, I would go in and see black cast directors for black movies and be told I wasn't black enough or I wasn't fitting that vibe or that. And, and yeah, it was offensive. I'm like, you know, what's not black enough within our own culture? What are, what are you not seeing that I'm seeing or, you know, vice versa, you know, cause I can get this from the, from the, you know, white cast directors and I can, I can understand that. Like I, I you don't get my culture, but with within this black body, I, I'm I'm the embodiment of everything. And so for me, for for you to tell me I'm not being black enough or I'm not cultured enough to be in this black movie, I was like, all right, well, this this is a whole different world, you know. And I, I'm I'm just gonna stay in my lane, which is that's because you, you weren't acting like a nigga. That's what they wanted. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I'm not, you know, I don't. I'm not. I didn't walk around with my pants sagging. I didn't, you know. I wasn't calling women out their names growing up. Like it wasn't, that just wasn't my lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I wasn't MWA. I just, I, it, it wasn't what, me. What was your rap name? And that's what they wanted. They wanted what was my rap, rap name? Man, <laughs> I, people call me ghost pretty much. Uh, I, I'll disappear on them in, in a minute. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that leads me to my next question though, because, yes. you know, talking about that pedigree and that responsibility, it's that made you, and don't don't I don't mean any disrespect when I say palatable, but you have become this is a better word the go to actor for major sitcoms from NCIS to CSI to All Rise and now to Good Sam. What is it about sitcoms in particular that keeps you engaged? And um, you have become the man when it comes to these shows. Do you prefer do you prefer these to movie gigs? Because you know I will tell you that also some actors have come on and said that. You know that movie money is a bit longer than that sitcom money. Um, I mean the the movie money could be a bit longer, but depending on if you get on the right show, you, you know that TV money that's 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 consistent money. You still you probably know. getting Quaker Oats checks. I mean, you go out there I, and they I say thank shoot, you, I mom. I mean, they probably like a dollar now, but you know, hey, I'm putting a dollar in my bank. I can't I can't complain. Um, you know, I I just I, you know I've always been 
um, I guess the guy next door, you, you know, growing up, like I, you know, I've always kind of carried that, that persona and it's easy to, you know, for me to, you know, put on a suit and, and play that, you know, lawyer, doctor role, what so forth. But it's also easy for me to put on some, some military gear and, and play a soldier. And that's just because of the complexity of my lifestyle growing up. I grew up with military parents. You know, we, we travel the world. We have a, a very different understanding than, you know, um, I'll just say a lot of people, you know, we have a broad understanding of what the, the world uh, asks of us and, and, and what we like to ask of the world as well. Um, so for me, you know, doing shows, you know, like Cougar Town, things of that nature, you know, where, um, you know, I'm just that, that, that bright shining light, you know, that was my thing. But I've always, I've always been a, an actor who um, searched for something deeper, you know, something more meaningful, something darker, you know, I love you know, performing in ways and, and pre presenting myself in ways that um, wouldn't be expected of me, you, you know. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash! Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large big gulp drink, and you won't find a better snack deal anywhere else. Here's what I put on my hot dog. Mustard. And that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese, but I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through 1725. 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, applicable on large, big gulp only. Participating U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. Who's on your, who's on your Mount Rushmore of black actors or actresses? Black actors, actresses. Uh, I mean, obviously, Sydney Poitier, um, Viola Davis. You know, um, obviously Denzel Washington. Um, uh, God, uh, I, I would probably put Eddie Murphy up there. I was just about to say. You know what? Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say. Yeah. I was gonna say Eddie Murphy too. I mean, yeah, Viola. I can't. I can't knock you on, on any of those. Yeah. So, you know, these are these are people that you know, I've had to, to follow in, in my career. You know, these are the people that um, set prominent examples for myself to follow, you know, when it comes to, to performance, you know, watching Viola and Denzel and Fences, that, that was a masterpiece for us. <laughs> you, you know, you, you Viola made crying with snot running out of your nose look so beautiful, you know, because of the moment and the intensity of the moment. Um, you're talking about somebody so, who doesn't get the respect. They, they, somebody who's so well respected in our culture, but not, I don't view as being respected in Hollywood enough. Viola Davis is a legend, man. I mean, Viola Davis is an international star. Nobody talks about her like that, you, you know, or at least in my circles, I don't really hear anybody talking about her like that, but she's an international star. You, you could put Viola in, in any movie and she's just gonna, she's gonna kill it, you, you know, like give her one line, give her a freaking paragraph. She's just, she's going to kill it. You know, she has a basic understanding of, 
you know, what she's doing and the messages that she's trying to convey and, and what so forth. And, um, you know, once again, just a perfect example for, for me to follow in my career. And, and hopefully, you know, I will be that, that person for somebody else. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So let's talk about the reason you're here today. We don't, we don't bullshit it around for the first half of the show. Let's talk about your latest project, which yeah. is why you're in Toronto, Canada. Good yes, Sam. Sir. Tell me what it's about. Uh, so Good Sam follows the, uh, the life of uh, Dr. Sam Griffith, who um, she's uh, a cardiothoracic surgeon. Um, and she's kind of at, at odds with her father, Rob Griffith, who is also the head of cardiothoracics in the hospital. He uh, ends up falling into a coma. She takes over. And six months later, he's trying to get his job back. Um, so we, we work with the, the inner workings of, um, you know, the hierarchy um, within the hospital, um, as well as the indifferences in, in family situations and, and, you know, what it means to be a family in such a chaotic political uh, professional world, such as a hospital. Um, uh, my character, Malcolm A. Kingsley, he is the new financial director uh, within a hospital and, and finds himself in a, uh, a little um, romantic situation with uh, Dr. Sam Griffith. What did, what, did, uh, what, did, what did Jada Pinkett call it? Uh, oh, man, a red table with her. What did her and August Oh, August God. Her and August had a- uh, Entanglement. Entanglement. That's, that's all we need to produce. Yeah, you got a little entanglement in the hospital. Yeah, I had a little, yes, a little entanglement with uh, <laughs> Sam Griffith. Um, but she and I, uh, our characters kind of share the same um, personal uh, life story in the sense that, you know, they're both trying to um, supersede their fathers in, in many ways, but, you, you know, do things differently, you, you know, um, uh, I think that the commonality between the two helps each other kind of deal with the ins and outs of, once again, the politics of the show, but then dealing with the, their, their family um, quarrels as well, 
you know, my, my father, he is, he's on the board. My mother is on the board and they don't have such a great relationship. And, you know, I'm playing the child that's bouncing between, you know, both of them trying to figure out, you know, who's right, who, who can I trust, things of that nature. And, you know, we find ourselves in, in those type of family situations. You know, you, sometimes you got, you got the daddy's girl and you got the mama's boy, you, you know? Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's just, it's a show with a lot of heart. You know, we definitely deal with um, some very interesting uh, accidents and, and medical procedures, uh, things I've never, ever seen or heard of before, um, which is which is great on a show like this, because I just feel like I'm getting educated every week, you know, yeah. um, just learning something new about the body, the system, how it works, how the brain is connected to the heart and how things that happen in your feet are connected to your heart. Like man, you, about, you, you want to show that about to give me anxiety, man. Dude, yeah, I mean, I it's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy, but um. You know, I, I love being on thought-provoking shows like this. You know, I let, me ask I you, let me ask you this question. What, yeah. what makes this show, and you don't have to knock anybody else by any, or you uh -huh. could, I really don't care, but what makes this show different from Grey's Anatomy or House or some of these other medical dramas that you see? Um, one, the, the, the talent pool that we have. Uh, I think I think that we are bringing something. No, and I'm not knocking, not knocking them. At no, all. I'm with you. I'm with you. That man said, yeah, I just got one good act. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, <laughs> we just uh, we're, we're bringing a different flavor. You, you know, um, House and Grey's Anatomy were were amazing shows. You, you know, and and it's a formula that I think you know if you are trying to do a medical drama, you know, it's a formula that you you should try to follow. You, you know, um, Shonda Rhimes did an amazing job with with Grey's Anatomy and. And you can see with the success in the many seasons that they've had. Um, I think ours, you know, takes on a, a little lighter of a tone than, uh, than, than Grey's Anatomy. But the, the story, once again, are, are very complex. Um, you know, Sophia Bush, Jason Isaacs, you know, they've, they've done a great job as, you know, producers and leaders of, of the show, as well as uh, Jenny Ehrman and, and Katie Wetch, who are the producers and writers. Uh, creators of the show, um, you know, they want to tell human stories, you know, it's as simple as that, stories that, you know, you and I can identify with if we're just sitting on our couch eating a bucket of popcorn, like, um, I don't, I don't think there's anything ex extraordinarily different that we're doing, other than really isolating what it means to be, you know, a family or a family within a hospital, you know, um, we we've taken our due diligence and our time to really perfect um, the meaning and understanding behind all of these characters and the, the minor intricacies that that we have so that, you know, when we do pop off on screen, you're not looking at another Meredith Grey or you don't feel like you're looking at another house. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? So we're definitely bringing our own flavor. You, you know, we, we once again have researchers out there finding, you know, medical anomalies that you know shoot i haven't even seen on on grand anatomy or house you, you know so it's like you know we're, we're just we're, we're trying to provide entertainment education and um you know we're, we're doing what we, we can to just keep going <laughs> when is when is good sam on and how do we find it so good sam is on uh wednesdays at 10 p.m uh eastern uh, on cbs and, uh, and that's the hardest. Any actor that got a new show, that's the hardest part. When I ask them that, they be like, "Man, let me think." Yeah, because sometimes <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're so focused on just getting the work done. Like, you yeah. know, and it's like there, there'll be some Wednesdays I wake up and like people are like, "Oh, show coming on." I'm like, "Oh, shoot, yeah, you're right. It's coming on tonight." You know, you know, like I because we're so focused on the work, you, you know. Um, 
but it's, it's nice, you, you know, the, the cast, we get together on Wednesdays and we all have dinner and we sit down and we watch the show and, you know, as much as we're sitting there enjoying it, I'm sure we're all kind of critiquing our own performances in our head and trying to figure out, you know, how we can, you know, do things differently, make things better, you know. Um, but yeah, so CBS, uh, Hulu, I believe we're on Hulu, Paramount Plus. Uh, so you can catch us streaming as well. You can catch us on the CBS app. Um, but we, we uh, is that the first time that you all see the show? Yes. Yes. Well, I, so Sophia, Sophia and Jason, because they're producers, uh, they have the opportunity to watch the, the performances uh, before we do. Um, uh, Jason Isaacs is actually directing our next episode. So he's he's had to do a lot of studying and watching and researching um, because he's he's putting on that director's hats, which is going to be very interesting. Um, but yeah, but a lot of times that is the, the first time we, we get to watch a show. We get to watch a show with with the fans who are watching it as well. Man, I mean, that's that's dope. Before I let you go, tell me about what other projects are on the horizon for you. Man, uh, so I got a little I got a little bit part in uh, HBO's Winning Time, uh, the Lakers story, which uh, which I was very, very happy and, and, and honored and humbled to to be a part of, um, you know, that the whole legacy within that franchise is, is, is brilliant and it's entertaining and it's funny and uh you know, I think basketball fans, Lakers fans in general are going to enjoy it, um, as well as uh, Parallel, um, tentatively titled, but uh, it's, a, it's a project that I wrote um, with my brother Aldous Hodge and another mm. writing partner, uh, Jonathan Kesey. Um, it's an adaptation of a, a Chinese film called Parallel Force uh, that opened up last summer, I believe, and did fairly well. Um, but they wanted to adapt, the, the Chinese company wanted to adapt the, an American version, and um, I was lucky enough for it to fall in my hands and I got it to my brother and, uh, you know, going through all the madness of it all, we, um, we ended up, yeah, writing and, and producing this project. So we, we filmed that in April of this year, uh, which, is, which is exciting for us because this is the first time we've been able to work together in a creative capacity uh, versus just, you know, being on screen with each other. Um, uh, but outside of that, man, I got we we got a we got our production company going, Hodge Brothers Productions, and we got about mm, almost 10, 10 projects, eleven projects on our slate that yeah. we uh, we're looking into right now. And um, I can just say that it's it's going well right now. It's going really well. What are your what are your socials so everybody can follow you on social? Uh, Don't be socials. running around with your, with your shirt off talking about you part of it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do they call it? They part of the Chocolate Brothers Society. The Chocolate Brothers Society. Yeah, I, you know, I listen. I, I I would love I would love to be indoctrinated to that man. I love being a Chocolate Brother. I tell you that much. Um, but my handles, uh, Twitter is just Edwin Hodge. Uh, Instagram, Chaotic Symphony, um, grammatically spelled, or you could just look up Edwin Hodge. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. I don't I don't I don't, I don't do too much on, on social. I'm not one of those guys. So, you know, um, you can catch me there. Sounds good, my brother. All right, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you for working through us through the timing and technical oh, difficulties. Good, brother. But this is a fun show, man. I look forward. I challenge everybody to go out there and watch good Sam. I will see you next time, my brother. Be safe in Toronto. All right, preach, brother.